Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. God told me, scripture tells me, you're supposed to love me. You're supposed to forgive me. I'm the most Christian person you know. You're just letting the devil in your heart. I've got God in my heart, and it's not my fault that you don't. If you would just get things right with God, then you would love me again. You know, you really need to pray about it. The spiritual narcissist or religious narcissist is a very dangerous individual, and the damage that they do runs deep. Before I dive into this episode, I want to say that I'm not talking about any particular religion specifically here, and I'm also not saying that everyone involved in a religion is a narcissist. There are certainly many, many good people in our churches, synagogues, temples, mosques, and other religious institutions. But when you do combine a narcissistic person with a religion, this is a powerful and destructive combination. God is the ultimate trump card. Where else can you defend yourself so strongly against anyone else, believing that you have the ultimate backup? The religious environment is the perfect home for a covert narcissist. When you've got God on your side, you can do anything, right? That's certainly what the covert narcissist thinks. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and thank you for being here. Narcissistic people can use anything as a rationalization for their behavior, their words, and their attitudes. And religion is not exempt from this. In fact, in the hands of a covert narcissist, religion can become quite powerful and destructive. Let's take a quick glance at the traits of narcissism as listed in the DSM. Okay, the first one, grandiose sense of self-importance. Well, how much more important can you be than spreading God's word and saving people? This work is more important than any of your concerns. You know, concerns like talking respectfully, giving grace, and being humble. How about a preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, and ideal love? Well, their fantasies of saving the world or being the best Christian around, even the fantasy of, well, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to walk, you know, streets of gold and dance at the pearly gates. Whatever their vision of heaven is, their focus is on that fantasy. And and I'm not negating that, you know, whether heaven is real or not. I'm just saying that is their picture and their image and their goal. And I used to ask, well, if getting into heaven is my goal as a Christian, then aren't I doing things out of selfishness? How is that okay? And I was asking that question back as a teenager. How about the trait, a belief that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other people uh, that are special and, and high status? Well, people who are narcissistic and in the church, they say, well, people who aren't in the church, they don't understand me. They can't get it and they aren't worth my time and effort. Unless, of course, I'm busy saving them, and then they are worth my time and effort because they're serving a purpose. I'm only going to associate with those who get it, who see the light, who agree with my religion. How about a need for excessive admiration? The covert narcissistic person, the the compassionate um, persona that they portray in a church, everyone in the church adores them. They say all the right things, dress the right way, volunteer for all the things. They look the part of the perfect member of church. 
And for the narcissistic person, this is incredibly rewarding. It feeds their belief that they are a wonderful person and that the world is blessed to have them in their presence. How about a sense of entitlement? Absolutely entitled to their own opinions and words. God told me. How can you possibly argue with this or question this? Those words stop all discussions right in their tracks. You can't argue with God, right? So because they are right with God, then they can do or say whatever they want. And if their behaviors don't happen to line up with what other people believe is Christian or spiritual or religious, they always have a reason why what they did was okay. Well, they were justified because the other person was acting outside of the religious rules. This goes along with imperative thinking, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. The imperative thinking is you should have. But because you didn't, my response was completely acceptable. That's the ultimate sense of entitlement. How about interpersonally exploitative behavior? A fancy way of saying they take advantage of others. They question your beliefs, your perspective on faith, belittling you for taking things differently or having a different perspective. They compare the merits of their faith and yours, and of course, they always come out on top. And so they belittle you. They highlight their own superiority and downplay your beliefs, insulting your faith, creating doubt inside of you. They refuse to admit that they're ever wrong, and they twist everything to their advantage. Again, interpersonally exploitative behavior. A lack of empathy? When they show compassion, and it's done out of self-serving aspirations, it just doesn't feel quite right. It doesn't feel genuine. And when their behaviors at home behind closed doors don't align with this show of compassion, then it really leaves scars behind. Is this really empathy? Do they really care? When you find yourself questioning this, there's a reason that your heart feels this way. Envious of others and a belief that others are envious of him or her? Everyone else wishes that they had my faith. This is the underlying core inside a narcissistic person. They wish that they were as good as me in helping others or volunteering or sacrificing, interpreting scripture, and so on. The last trait, a demonstration of arrogant and haughty behaviors and attitudes. A religious narcissist is one of the most arrogant and haughty people that you will find. They are absolutely superior to everyone else, and they have God to back them up. If you want to be more of a good person in life, then you should just be more like me. Except, you know, you aren't able to because you're just not as good as me. Narcissistic people are very drawn towards systems that give them authority. This includes positions of authority such as being a doctor, therapist, lawyers, politicians, and even religious leaders. Any position where people look up to them, don't question their word, and actually look to them for answers. Like I said, narcissistic people can use anything as a rationalization for their behavior, and religion is not exempt from this. Rather, it's just another manipulative tool in the hands of a covert narcissist. In fact, it's quite appealing to them. They hide behind their religion and use it as another form of abuse or coercion. This happens far too often, and it's devastating for the victim or the target of their tactics. It's especially damaging when the target is someone who's already religiously inclined, and I will talk about that in just a few minutes. Now, let's talk about imperative thinking. Imperative thinking is based on thoughts and beliefs 
that use the words should, must, and have to. Well, these line up beautifully with, with religious teaching. Religious teaching is full of you should, you must, you have to. You should go to church each Sunday. You must read your Bible and pray. You have to forgive everyone and turn the other cheek. You must be faithful and dedicated to your spouse. You must forgive any faults they have. In fact, you must forgive seven times, 77 times. In other words, you can't hold them accountable for anything. You must forgive them and you must do so now. This is where the religious teaching gets turned in the hands of a covert narcissist. You must not tell anyone what I do to you because that would be gossip and gossip is wrong. That's against the teachings of the church. Wives, you must be submissive. Or husbands, you must be the spiritual leaders. When you are with a narcissistic person, this also means, though, that they can interpret that whatever, however they choose. What does submissive mean? Well, it's their words that decide that. What does being a spiritual leader mean? It's their words that decide that. Covert narcissists feed off of this imperative thinking. They latch onto it and they quickly become the enforcer of all these shoulds. It really feeds their sense of entitlement and superiority. They feel entitled to their anger because they're doing God's work. And those who don't understand them, even you, are clearly from the other side. They should be punished and suffer because they aren't privileged enough to be in the circle. Narcissistic people feel so incredibly superior to everyone. And religion feeds this as they now have proof that they are superior. They're part of the chosen, the forgiven, the enlightened, the privileged. It's the ultimate justification. That's what God said. That's what God told me. How dare you tell me any differently? It isn't like you can say, well, no, he didn't. Clearly, this isn't provable. No one can validate it or disprove it. So you have no choice but to let them have that opinion. You have no way of arguing with this or no way of even having a real conversation about it, which, of course, you can't do with a narcissistic person anyways. There just isn't much you can say. It's the ultimate trump card. How do you possibly argue or rebuttal their words? And if you try, you certainly look petty and uncooperative at the least, but you look like a selfish sinner at the most. Add to this that another way that religion is used for the narcissist is to be highly involved in their church community. Whether this be a temple, mosque, synagogue, church, they volunteer on a regular basis. They go on mission trips, clean the church, sing in the choir, serve on the board, make large donations. They are so incredibly giving of their time and resources that everyone thinks they're so amazing. So while this can seem like a good thing, remember the covert narcissists, they do everything in order to look good to others. Their involvement in the church is to make sure that they look good. It's not about helping others. It's about boosting their own image and ego. And in, for those of you looking in and seeing this, it's when things just don't feel quite right. When their actions don't line up with the actions that you're seeing at home. When their words and their attitudes don't line up with the way they treat you behind closed doors. When the, what the world sees, what they show at church, doesn't match what they show at home. Yet everyone else thinks they're wonderful and amazing. And in fact, they tell you, how could you not be happy with them? You have such an amazing family. You're so lucky. 
Do you feel lucky? I certainly didn't. I felt trapped. Stuck in chaos and turmoil. So here you are, wanting to have faith and hope. Everyone is telling you how kind and wonderful they are. And this just adds to the enormous doubt that you're already experiencing. So you just believe them. You decide that they are right and you must be wrong. How can they be a bad person? In fact, we can end up feeling really bad about ourselves for even thinking this in the first place. Something must be wrong with me. I need to pray harder. I need to attend church more. I need to spend more time with the leaders of the church. I need to listen to my partner more because clearly they have it all figured out. We can go so far as to believe that we are not worthy of their love in the first place. There is so much cognitive dissonance when church and religion are involved with a narcissistic partner. It is rough enough when you're dealing with a covert narcissist, but now you add a whole new level of crazy making. So let's talk about you, the victim, and all of this. If you are also part of this religion or church, there's a very good chance that you were taught to forgive, to turn the other cheek, to love, to support, to treat others as you want to be treated, even to be submissive. I took all this to heart. I believed it was my God-given duty. I believed it was my place in life. I was supposed to forgive. I was supposed to love and support. I was supposed to overlook the faults of others, including my husband, especially my husband. And when they start in with this religious coercion, and here you are wanting to forgive and wanting to love and to trust and respect, it's incredibly effective. You should be more respectful. You should be more attentive. You should be more caring and understanding. You should be more godlike. And when they take that scripture and they start throwing it at you, and it is at you, it's an attack. It's a bombardment. It is nearly impossible to not start feeling guilty, regretful, small, remorseful, broken. This is all my fault. I need to get my act together. I need to pray more. That's where I find so many people who are trapped in these relationships with a religious narcissist. Please understand that narcissistic people will use anything in their ammo for manipulation and coercion. This includes religion and scripture. I encourage you to explore your own heart with openness and honesty. Put a barrier up to their words and reflect on your own for a while. The narcissistic person is not the one that you should be listening to for advice and opinions on compassion, respect, and love. Listen, they're not the ones that should be describing to you what compassion is. They're not the ones that should be teaching you what respect and love are. No, dig into your own heart. That is the best place to start. You've shoved it away long enough. You've blamed yourself long enough and guilted yourself enough. Let your heart start speaking to you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. 
Those letters are CNG, as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. The information provided by Renee Swanson and the Covert Narcissism Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used for diagnosis purposes and not intended to be a substitute for clinical care. Please consult a healthcare provider for guidance specific to your case. This material discusses narcissism in general. It does not claim that any specific person has narcissism and should not be used to refer to any specific person as having narcissism. Permission is not granted to link to or repost this material to support an allegation or a claim that any specific person is a narcissist. That would be an unauthorized misuse of the material and information provided.